Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, everyone, and welcome to not just another episode, but the Phyrexia all will be one crash course here on Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line this week, back from paternity leave, is Ethan Sachs, ladies and gentlemen. Ethan, it is so good to get a chance to talk to you. It has been almost, what, a month? It has been almost a month. I mean, you and I had like a brief chat a couple weeks ago to do some some housekeeping stuff for the podcast, but yeah, it's been a long time. I hope uh, I hope things have been well for you this past month. Oof, it has been brutal. <laughs> I have been <laughs> insanely busy uh, between just school and we just had solo and ensemble competition yesterday where we hosted it and kids play solos, trios on their own. So you're instead of working with all of the students as one big group, you're working with each student individually or in threes or fours or whatever. So it's just so much more time. I've been probably working, I don't know, 80, 90, 100 hour weeks, easy, straight for the last Good three weeks. Lord. <laughs> it's been ridiculous. It sounds like recording the episodes in advance was maybe more helpful for you than it was for me. <laughs> it was a blessing, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, uh, I am, I'm happy to announce that my son was born on January 9th. He is happy and healthy. His name is Jonah. My wife's doing great. We're, we're both thriving, I would say. We're, we're very smitten with this little guy and uh, very lucky to be supported by our friends and family here and just uh, really happy to, to have him in our lives and honestly, really happy to be back doing the show. My, my wife was asking me last night, she was like, are you looking forward to, to doing the podcast? I was like, I really am. Like, I, I'm excited to be back. And I'm excited that I'm not missing the crash course for what looks like a really interesting format. This format looks like it's going to be a banger of a set. Yeah, I am glad to have you back as well. Congratulations to you and your wife and your new family. And I'm sure Jonah is going to be amazing. And I am excited to have you back as well. It's going to be great to talk for XC all we want. I missed our Sunday chats. Yeah, been too long. Been too long for sure. So what we're going to do this week, if you've never tuned in for our Crash Course episodes, welcome. We do set review or start of set season a little differently on Lords of Limited. We will not be doing an on-air card-by-card grading set review. Though, if you want that content, Ben and I have graded each card individually ourselves in a spreadsheet that will be shared with you wherever you download the show. And we'll get to that in just a second. But we're going to look at some more big picture stuff for Phyrexia All Will Be One. We'll be looking at creatures and how they stack up against removal. We'll be looking at the removal and sort of what the landscape looks like there. We'll be looking at the, the keywords. And we used to do some archetype support stuff that we will be dialing back a little bit on. But just sort of as we went through the spoilers, just trying to answer as many of the questions that kept coming up for us for our listeners, I think is what we're going to be doing there. And then we'll talk about some other things that, you know, affect the limited landscape, like incidental life gains, some sweepers, you know, the, the instances of flyers, et cetera, things like that. And then we'll get to the card grades where we've graded each card separately. And then we'll look at all the cards where we had at least a two gradation or higher difference. So if I gave something a C minus and Ben ever the optimist gave something a C plus, <laughs> then we're going to hash it out and talk about it. And then of course, we're going to get to ranking our top three commons in each color and our top two 
uncommons in each color. That is the layout of the crash course here. So a few housekeeping things to take care of before we get into all that good stuff. First things first is the Patreon page, Ben. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. We always say this when a new set rolls around, but it cannot be overstated. The Discord, which is what every patron gets access to, is the place to be for new set season. I mean, the conversations about the card previews as they're spoiled pops off. Once the full image gallery is out, it pops off. Then you get people wanting to do practice drafts on the Heroku app. We have that enabled with a little bot in our in one of our Discord channels. That's pretty sweet. Um, we're certainly going to have people you know, posting screenshots of their sealed decks from uh, the upcoming pre-release next weekend. And we should shout out that you and I will be participating in the Phyrexia All-We-One Early Access Streamer event this week. Yeah, thanks to Wizards for those free access accounts. We appreciate that quite a bit. I also think I just learned on Twitter via Sam Black that... SCG Con Indianapolis is happening pre-release weekend. So I'm thinking about driving up to Indianapolis to go to SCG Con, which sounds like it could Ooh, be sweet. A little a little big big league tournament? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it's a big league tournament. I think it's just like pre-release drafts and stuff. I actually know next to nothing about it other than that I went on the website and saw that there would be Phyrexia All We Won stuff. And that sounds like maybe more fun than just hitting up my LGS. Oh, I wonder if it's similar to, I mean, when they did SCG Pittsburgh for Streets of New Capenna, that was, I think, pre-release weekend or release weekend or whatever. And that was a, a sealed main event. So hopefully you have a limited main event you can go to. That'll be fun. Yeah, that would be a blast. So I'm checking that out and it's tentatively on the, the schedule. All right, great. Well, look forward to hearing about that if you go. Um, but yeah, the Discord is just an awesome community. And for new set season, it's great. You just get a community of like-minded, limited individuals talking about the new set, trying to break it open as quickly as possible. I was definitely pouring over some conversations, of one in particular that I'll highlight later when we get to a card that trip trip me up a little bit and then looking through the discord conversations like i saw the light i think or or saw what i think is the light but we have another perk from the patreon which is announcing our new patrons the first week that they join or in this case post the paternity leave chronicles we have about the first month, let's say, that they join, and uh, I would love to welcome in all these folks with Ben. So Ben, would you join me in welcoming Austin, Admiral Slim, Aiden, Jason, Greg, Chris, Michael, Lionel, Walker, Daniel, Alex, Scott, Lynn, Charles, Dominic, Dan, MK, Stunning, Aaron, Jonathan, Jesse, Tarashan, Ross, Simply Aiden, Ryan the Turnip, <laughs> Mark, Reed, Matthew, Andrew, David, Adam, D, and Sebastian. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah. Cannot say thank you enough. And those folks know what's up. They're getting in on the discord. You should be too. Show is also brought to you by TCG player, tcgplayer.com. Best place for anything and everything you need magic related, including the TCG player subscription, which is just $6.99 a month. You get free shipping and tracking on all your orders. You get extra bonus bucks, which is store credit back on purchases. You get access to all the CFB Pro articles. Ethan and I are going to be back in the month of February writing some sweet, sweet content about Phyrexia All Will Be One. So if you're interested in our articles and you're not already on the TCG Player subscription, there's another reason for you to join. And in addition to that, they've got Phyrexia All Will Be One sealed product and singles available. So if you want to get a box to draft with your friends, maybe pick up some staples for a commander deck. If you dip into that constructed world, 
please take the time to use our affiliate link with TCG Player. There's two ways to get there. You can go to lordsoflimited.com slash TCG Player, and that will redirect you to our affiliate link. Or you can just visit the website where we'll have a tier list for the format, you can get some Lords of Limited merch. And while you're there, you can click on the support tab. And there's a direct link through that support tab to our affiliate link as well. And all that does is takes you to the TCG Player website. And then any purchases you make through our affiliate link help out the show. And we would really appreciate you taking the time to do that. Also in the show description, wherever you download the podcast, I'm sure this will be the first week that I don't do this, but I always put in a sort of hyperlink, like support us on TCG player. So if you forget those links, but you're looking through that, you can just click on that as well. So there's three ways, actually three ways. Boom. I would also just like to say that might be the most seamless TCG player ad I have ever done. That was one take one take wonder, baby. All right, let's get into uh, removal versus creatures. So looked at a total of 95 creatures that common or uncommon in Phyrexia all will be one and should state, I think, other than talking about the sweepers, commons and uncommons are the name of the game for us this week. We won't be talking about any rares or mythics. I have graded the rares or mythics uh, in our spreadsheet and they will be ranked in our tier list whenever Ben gets around to doing that sometime this week before the set goes up. Um, But we'll have all that uh, up there for you, but we're just talking about commons or uncommons this week. So 95 total plus, which is a little small, plus I did not count when looking at these things there are like, you know, the four Mirrodin equipment, which are the sort of living weapon style things that come attached to the two twos. Those are effectively creatures, but not really. Anyway, didn't count those. So let's get into moving up the ranks of what toughness of creatures does removal hit. So we're starting with X1s. And we've got one removal spell here specifically targeting one toughness creatures, which is Hazardous Blast. It's three and a red for a sorcery. It deals one damage to each creature your opponents control. Creatures your opponents control can't block this turn. Now that's going to hit 23% of those common or uncommon creatures, plus mites, which are those 1-1 one, one tokens with toxic 1 that can't block. Yeah, this removal spell looks like it's pretty main deckable to me if you're aggressive. There's going to be, I think, a lot of people playing X1s trying to get in those poison counters early, and this is going to really punish people on turn 4, potentially. Like, this could just kill two of your opponent's cards, depending on what yeah. type of deck they are on turn 4. I mean, it's not premium or anything like that, but interesting to think about. Yeah, one of the questions that I had, and we'll talk about it a little bit later when we get to looking at mites specifically, was how how punishing are one toughness creatures in general, not only for a card like Hazardous Blast, but for being able to block these 1-1 one, one mites, right? Like how bad is it to have one toughness creatures, not only because they can be targeted, but because you really want to not have to trade off a real card of yours for one of your opponent's mites, you know? Absolutely. All right, moving on up to Toughness 2. Our next card is Hex Gold Slash. This is red for an instant, deals two damage to target creature. If that creature has toxic, Hex Gold Slash deals four damage to that creature instead. This is going to hit 46% of the creatures in the format. So Hex Gold Slash looks pretty incredible to me. Thoughts on that? Yeah, these are always tough for me to evaluate. Like, right, the the single mana deal two or whatever, the disfigures of the world, right? The cheap black removal spells that only deal with small creatures. um, Those are always tough because they range from very strong to, you know, whatever and slash, you know, maybe a, a C or C plus for the first one and then pretty severe diminishing returns beyond that. And the interesting thing about the if it has toxic, it deals more damage. A lot of the toxic creatures are small. So that doesn't actually seem like that big of a benefit. So it's mostly just we're grading this on the merits of it being a red deal too. Yes? Yeah, I think so. But 
I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. From what I've seen looking at the previews and the and the full spoiler and just doing my grades for the crash course, the format looks like it's going to be very important to get on board early and to interact early to try to either get your opponent to three toxic counters or prevent them from giving you three poison counters. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, but but also that sort of characteristic of the formats about getting on board early, being able to interact early. Isn't that just every limited set? Like, when are we just going to go, oh, that's limited now? Well, sure. But I think it's also amped up just by the corrupted mechanic stating the three poison counters thing. I mean, that's like a mechanic that cared about you getting to 14 life or whatever, essentially, yeah. like that would raise amp up the need. So I think, yes, that is omnipresent in magic these days. But I also think it's amped up by the corrupted mechanic. And I think Hex Gold Slash is going to do a good job of protecting you from getting poison counters. And also, like a little bit of tension here in that red doesn't necessarily care about poison counters that much, but could help push through, you know, maybe your white creatures with toxic if you're pairing red with white, that would be awkward to not be equipment based um, in the four mirrored and color pair. But I do think there's some merits there. Yeah, for sure. Well, you're talking me up on it. I think I had it as sort of like, you know, your standard red deal too. But I'm definitely with you in the sense of like, got to be able to take care of those, you know, cheap creatures, especially the ones that have toxic, especially when you're on the draw and being able to just even trade up for mana on like, you know, one mana for hex gold slash for their two drop, I think is pretty a a nice discount there. Yes, I I agree. I think the the one mana part is huge here. Moving up the ranks to three toughness, we have Volt Charge, which is Tuna Red for an instant, deals three damage to any target and proliferate. And that's going to hit 69% of the creatures at common or uncommon. Yeah, Volt Charge also looks incredible. And I initially was much higher on Volt Charge than Hex Gold Slash. But I think just after seeing all of the cards, it's a lot closer for me. Not close enough that I'm taking Hex Gold Slash over Volt Charge to start. But it wouldn't shock me eh? Ugh, <laughs> if Hex I'm Gold supposed Slash. to be coming in with the dad jokes here, buddy. <laughs> wouldn't shock me if X Gold Slash were better than Volt Charge. I-, I would be. I would be shocked. You can pay a single red and target me because I would be shocked <laughs> if Volt Charge wasn't better than Hex Gold Slash. The incidental proliferate cannot be understated. I agree, except reds. I guess with oil counters, it's still busted. Counters, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think Volt Charge is better. Let me put that out there into the world. But I do okay. think Hex Gold Slash is closer to Volt Charge than I would have initially thought, obviously, without having played with the card. So who knows? But I do like Hex Gold Slash quite a bit. Okay. Next up, we've got X4s, which is Drown in Icker. This is going to hit 88% of the creatures in the format. This is one in a black for a sorcery. Target creature gets minus four, minus four until end of turn, and then you proliferate. Whoo, baby, that card is great. Yeah, that card is wildly good. Moving up to X5. That's almost all the creatures are common or uncommon. That's 98%. And there's one specific spell for those, which is Molten Rebuke. It's four and a red for a sorcery at common. You choose one or both. Molten Rebuke deals five damage to target creature or planeswalker and or destroy target equipment. Kills all the creatures, but unfortunately, you're not going to want to put it in all of the decks. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's true. Definitely think that's true. Moving on to X6 or greater, there's lots of spells that kill the things regardless of size. Now, there's only two creatures in the entire format with toughness six or greater. And then there was, and then we often like to check, you know, variable kill spells. And there is one in the format. It's called Anoint with Affliction. It's one in a black for an instant at common. And it says exile target creature if it has mana value three or less. But then it has corrupted if your opponent has three or more poison counters, you just exile that creature instead. So straight up, 
kill the thing or sorry, straight up exile the thing for two mana if they're corrupted or exile their thing if it's mana value three or less. So scales with the game very nicely if you're on the toxic corrupted game plan. But I wanted to know how many creatures are there with mana value three or less. And there's 63% of the commons are uncommon. So a nice a nice chunk of them are going to be targeted by this no matter what. Yeah, love Anoint with Affliction. This seems incredible to me. Pegging this early as top common in the format. But I don't know if that I don't know. I, I like the red removal spells a lot, too, but yeah. it's a banger for sure. And I think it's important to note just you know, generally we think about, OK, where what formats generally one of the questions we want to ask ourselves is, is this a format where removal is good, right? Like, is this a, a Dominaria United Life where removal is back with a bang? Or, or is this a format where it's less important to interact or it's, you know, everything's a two for one. So it's harder to interact favorably or you have to be choosier about where you interact. I do think with toxic and with corrupted and and with poison in general, I do think that removal is going to be premium in this format. I agree. Not only is removal going to be premium, but just I just cannot get out of my head that everything feels like it's going to be so compacted into the first like three to Mm. five turns of games. Like it's just going to be so important to get on board and interact early. And a lot of this removal is very good at doing that. Well, and and because if your opponent is doing the corrupted thing, and we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later in the episode, if they're doing the corrupted thing, you know, the difference between you having three poison counters or two or one is so huge. And your ability to interact with them or stop them from doing that is going to be probably the thing that the game hinges on. Yes. Completely agree. So in the spreadsheet that we'll share with you where we have our grades for all the cards, we also have a tab for combat tricks in the set to look out for and a tab with removal. So sort of went through and, and looked at all the removal spells, tried to, you know, glean what we could about those as a group. So some noteworthy things about removal. What do we got going on? There's a really good spread of removal. White gets two aura-based removal spells and a few other things. Blue gets a claustrophobia variant. Plus there's also um, an icy manipulator-esque card that's four mana and uses oil counters to tap your opponent's stuff. Green gets the usual fight and then there's an uncommon bite spell as well. We looked at all that premium red removal. Black's got some premium removal as well as edicts going on, but there is a nice smattering and all of the colors really seem to get pretty good interaction, honestly. Yeah, the the noteworthy things for me or the things that I, I found missing was no colorless removal spell, right? Nothing like, I mean, not that Goblin Firebomb and Bro was anything to write home about, but just having access to that sort of clunky removal spell or you know, whatever, the, the daggers or the the silver bullets or whatever that we've gotten in the, the Innistrad sets, those kinds of things, the, either the colorless things that deal three damage or whatever, or the very expensive colorless things that deal with anything. There's none of that. No colorless removal to be found. And Black weirdly getting two edicts, I believe an uncommon and a common one, and then two variable kill spells, right? It has Anointing with Affliction as the like exile a thing if it's small or exile a thing period if you have corrupted. And then it's got this like bone splinters or you can pay five to just kill the thing rather than sacrifice something. But it doesn't have like usually we have the three spells, right? Black gets a kill a small thing, kill a medium thing, kill anything. And that sort of seems to be compacted with this edict. What are, what are your thoughts on the, the edicts existing here? I like them more than usual. They're both like kind of enticingly playable. Okay. And then we didn't count artifact hate, 
counter spells or a couple non-removal interaction spells like an active treason variant in Awaken the Sleeper and a bounce spell in Serum Snare. All right, and that takes us on to looking at all of the new and returning mechanics. So we ran these down last week, but just as a reminder, we've got Toxic, which means your creatures deal damage um, equal to the number of their toxic power in poison counters to the opponent while also still dealing regular damage. There's Corrupted that gives you a bonus if your opponent has three poison counters. There's Oil counters running around to be proliferated and proliferate lets you either up poison counters or up oil counters in this format and there's also the four mirrodin equipment theme which means that your equipment comes in with a 2-2 attached to it and this is where things are going to be a little different from crash courses in the past you know i think we sort of got stuck in this rut of going through all the color pairs or the archetype support and rattling off a bunch of numbers that wasn't actually actionable or helpful so wanted to really focus in on these mechanics and more so focusing on the questions that came up for us as we were going through the spoilers. And the question that kept coming up for me as I was looking at oil counters or looking at toxic or looking at corrupted was like, how likely is this to happen? Right? How likely am I to be able to get corrupted? And how likely am I to be able to, to get things with oil counters and to be able to keep them around, whatever? So that all made me want to start by looking at proliferate, right? Toxic, poison, and oil all interact with proliferate. So we'll start there. And there is only two ways to repeatedly proliferate in the format, which shocked me. Yeah, the first up is Thrumming Bird, one in a blue, one one flyer when it deals combat damage to a player proliferate. This is a reprint. It was a banger in its original format, and I assume it is going to be excellent here as well. Yeah, and the other card is Tainted Observer, which is one green blue for a 2-3 with flying at uncommon. It has Toxic 1, and it says whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay 2 if you do proliferate. So these two cards, I believe, are going to be very premium because of their ability to repeatedly proliferate. And then past that, there's 15 incidental ways to proliferate, which are either tacked onto a creature or some other desirable effect. And there's a huge range here. The best of it is probably attached to removal spells. We talked about Volt Charge already. There's Mesmerizing Dose. That's the Claustrophobia effect with a Proliferate tacked on. We took a look at Drown and Icker. That's the minus four, minus four in black with Proliferate tacked on. But there, again, proliferating seems like it's going to be very good if you're building your deck in a synergistic manner. Yeah, I, mean, I do think like abusing oil counters as best you can, or abusing the the toxic as best you can, or the the poison counters as best you can. If you're if you care about either killing by poison counters, which I think will be less likely than just caring about turning on corrupted, though I think will ha- will end you know some number of games in this format for sure. Um, I, I do think those incidental ways to proliferate. You know, if you turn volt charge in from deal three damage to any target for three mana, which is a fine magic card, into deal three damage and then get a couple extra instances of an activated ability because of oil counters on various things or the difference between your opponent having two poison counters to three poison counters to turn on your corrupted stuff. That's that's a huge swing. Completely agree. And then there's five cards where a proliferate is the entire effect of the card, either as a choice on the card or in exchange for sacrificing a creature, maybe something along those lines. So for example, we have a card called Thirsting Roots, single green for a sorcery. You choose one, search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle or proliferate. And then there's a couple of creatures that exist where you can, you know, sacrifice them to proliferate if you want. So maybe it's a cheap creature and then you cash it in later, that that kind of thing. But you're effectively then getting proliferate as 
a value of a card, which I think it is generally not going to be. But for a card like Thirsting Roots, nice to have that flexibility. Late in the game, maybe you don't care about going to find a land. You do care about proliferating. And there's two cards that care about you proliferating. The first up we took a look at last week, Scheming Aspirant, one in a black for a 1-3. Whenever you proliferate, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. I liked this last week and I like it even more this week, I think, after seeing the whole spoiler. Interesting. I'm kind of down on this card. Just because you think it's going to be difficult to proliferate? I think it's going to be difficult to proliferate consistently enough to for this to be worth it. And I kind of think that prolif- like there's enough, like oil is your payoff for proliferating, right? Toxic is your payoff for proliferating. I don't need a card that doesn't do anything other than caring about this thing that I already want to do, you know? I don't know, man. You played with Palace Siege back in the day. Drain two, gain two is so much. Oh, yeah. But yeah, but wait, wait. How are we talking about Palace Siege with this? Like, that was just an effect you got every turn. This is a, an effect that you really have to work for. I don't know. I, I am worried that proliferate is going to be hard enough to come by, especially when I think the cat's out of the bag, especially when it's tacked on. Like, the effects where it's tacked onto something are things people are already going to be taking Volt Charge and Drown and Icker. And now I think even Mesmerizing Dose, high, you know? Like, I don't think Proliferate is going to be that easy to come by. Yeah, I could see that, but that's not going to stop me from trying to scheme. (laughs) And the other payoff is Voidwing Hybrid. It's blue-black for a 2-1 with Flying and Toxic 1. Evasive, cheap threats with Toxic are just wild to me. And then when you Proliferate, you can return this from your graveyard to your hand. This card is bonkers. I saw this and my jaw dropped. (laughs) It's, I kept reading it. I was like, where's the drawback? And there's no drawback. It's just a ball of efficiency and power. Yeah. So speaking of creatures with toxic, let's get to those. So there are 26 creatures total with toxic and the bulk of them have toxic one. There's 17 there. And then as you move up to toxic two, you get six, only a couple with toxic three. And then this one beefy seven drop in green at uncommon that has toxic six. So we're mostly looking at things with toxic one. And I think that shows you just how like, you know, unique things with higher toxic numbers are. And we should also state, I assume you guys said this last week, maybe that toxic stacks because there's like a toxic Lord that gives like all your toxic creatures an additional instance of toxic one. So those stack. Yeah, we talked about that last week. And speaking of Toxic 1, there are going to be Might Tokens running around, and there's not a ton of ways to make those Might Tokens, which are the one ones that can't block and have Toxic. And almost all the ways to make Might Tokens are going to be white, and the best by far of those is Basilica Shepherd. What's going on there? This is 3 white white for a 3-3 with flying at common. When it enters the battlefield, you make two Might Tokens. Card is a banger, I think. This uh, spoiler is in my top white commons, perhaps is a bit of a hot take. But, you know, I kept thinking as I was going through the spoiler that mites were going to be very prevalent, that this was like decayed tokens 2.0 or whatever. But the fact that there's only six instances of ways to make them and that they only really exist in white, how important are you feeling like blocking mites is going to be in this format? Well, it's not even blocking mites. You're going to want to be able to block early ground toxic creatures as well. Like Black's got the rat that's just like a 2-2 toxic one that's on the Mm -hmm. battlefield. So I think just getting on board early is going to be important. But I I do think toughness one is kind of a liability unless it's on evasive flyers. I mean, that's running around as well. So like sign me up for a 1-1 flying toxic. But I think 2-1, like not very excited about that stat line. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that for sure. 
And that takes us on to corrupted. So this is when you get to that threshold of three poison counters, it enables you know some benefit on a handful of cards. And that handful is 15 total cards. And I divided them arbitrarily into two camps. <laughs> Ones where I think you really want to enable the corrupted half. For example, that removal spell we talked about, anoint with affliction, right? That's that's quite good, right? You're not like cutting that or anything, but that's a real incentive, right? To turn your two mana common kill spell into a kill anything spell into an exile anything spell that's a real incentive to do that so cards where you you really want to enable corrupted and ones where i think it really doesn't matter that much and i think it's about a seven to eight split so seven cards where you really want to do it and eight cards where if it happens great if not there's an uncommon maybe you'll disagree with me here but there's an uncommon divination tuna blue draw two costs two less if your opponent has corrupted turning that on in limited great i guess but like that's not one that i counted here i didn't think that like paying one versus paying three really mattered that much for your draw two well the other one that i really like that i don't see on this list is vampire nighthawk baby excuse me you haven't seen the corrupted flyer that turns into vampire nighthawk oh it's my card bone picker scourge yeah <laughs> you previewed it <laughs> vampire nighthawk yeah i guess it is. I guess that is what it turns into. I really hadn't thought about that. Okay. All right. Maybe maybe it's got to be an 8-7 split then. I mean, that card is very powerful if it's three mana, two, two flying death touch lifelink. Yeah, you're right. No, that is very powerful. Okay. Wait, we're making it an official 8-7 split. All right. Love to see it. So yeah, so uh, we have that list in our show notes here for our patrons. But uh, yeah, I think just that that's the way I think you want to contextualize these cards. I don't think we need to read out all of them and what they do. I think that's how you want to try and evaluate them. Like, is this a real reason for me to get my opponent to poison three as early as possible? Or is this just a fine card on its own, no matter what? So just to pause here for a second and just kind of zoom out on mm-hmm. these mechanics from what you've seen so far of oil corrupted for Mirrodin and the artifact synergies. Those are like the broad things that are going on in the format. Does that seem fair? Yeah. Corrupted is, is lumping in toxic poison altogether. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What are you most excited about? Like what looks the most powerful to you of those things? I think the probably the most powerful is going to be getting your like using toxic or proliferate to get your opponent to to get them to poison three or higher as quickly as possible to turn on the handful of corrupted things that matter the most. That's probably the most powerful, though oil counters are really appealing to me. Yes, I agree. I think oil counters are appealing, but I I agree with you. That is my initial inclination after looking at all the cards as well, is that getting your opponent to three poison counters and using the corrupted cards looks like the most snowball-y powerful thing that you can do. And that makes sense. I mean, we're coming back to Phyrexia. We haven't seen poison counters in over a decade, right, since we were there. So it makes sense that that's going to be the headliner thing or the most powerful thing. I think oil counters are really going to have their day in the sun, but I think they're going to be a little more trickier to build good decks with or figure out how to build good decks with. We'll talk about that in a second. And for me, I think equipment is largely you're just... I don't think equipment matters is going to be a deck very much personally. Ooh. I think you're going to be. I think you're going to be judging those. Equi- I think red white will be a good deck. I think you're going to be judging the four mirrored and equipment largely on the merits of their individual card quality rather than how they fit into a larger equipment style deck. Oh man, I I kept hearing you say that wrong. I was wondering why you were talking about the four cards, like the number four, like these four things that made rebels. And I was like, I know there are more than four cards. It's it's four mirrored. Okay, that was very weird. I was hearing that wrong in my head. You good? I'm good. You good? You back? back? Together. But (laughs) 
So one thing I wanted to throw back at you is with this corrupted thing, you know, you're talking about this eight, seven split or whatever. Uh-huh. I mean, you're going to have to get the ways to turn on corrupted first also, right? So there's going to be some weird tension in like highly picking. I assume the pick order is probably going to be like the premium corrupted cards. Maybe it's just going to be the premium enablers first. Maybe it's just going to be the premium ways with toxic to get your opponent poison counters. Except that I, it's interesting whenever we see these sort of hyper focused column A, column B things, right? Payoff plus enabler things, especially coming off the heels of playing Kaldheim. You know, did you have any drafts going back to Kaldheim where you got a bunch of snow stuff? You got a bunch of lands and a bunch of glittering frosts and a bunch of the, you know, elves that untap snow lands and then nothing to do with the snow stuff. You know, if you draft those in the wrong order or without the reasons to do them or whatever, and then you can do the same thing. You can draft all the payoffs and then never see any of the enablers because people decide to snap them up. You know, like it's an it's an interesting balancing act. I don't know. My my gut is what you're saying, I think, of like pick the premium corrupted ones first. But I also think the premium enablers, like the two mana one one flyer toxic one in black, I think that's gonna be really important for a lot of these strategies. Right. Yeah. All right, let's move on to oil counters. So there's 17 cards that use oil counters off of themselves, like give themselves an oil counter and then do the thing. And then there's a few cards that want to reach a threshold of oil counters. The first of those is Armored Scrap Gorger, one in a green for an O3, and it gets plus three plus O as long as it has three or more oil counters on it. Taps out of mana of any color, so it's very good. And whenever it becomes tapped, you exile target card from a graveyard and put an oil counter on Armored Scrap Gorger. What is this move from you may exile a card from a graveyard to you must exile a card from a graveyard? Especially in a format with Unearthed and Constructed. Very yeah. odd. Uh, the other one of these that wants you to reach a threshold is Icker Synthesizer. It's one on a blue for a 1-3 at common. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put an oil counter on Icker Synthesizer. And as long as Icker Synthesizer has four or more oil counters on it, it gets plus two, plus O, oh, and can't be blocked. So another type of you know cards that have oil counters on them are going to be cards that give themselves power and toughness equal to the number of oil counters on them. Most of those are very good. Um, there's only three of them. Two out of the three, I think, are quite good. Agreed. And then there are four cards that can add oil counters to other cards, which is which was an important distinction. Most of the oil counter cards only interact with themselves. They add or remove them from themselves. But these four that exist in red uh, are, I think, the, the unique ones. And there's two that are repeatable, two that are one time. We're, we're going to talk about both of the repeatable ones when we get to our card grade differences. But we'll talk about the two one time ones at common. First one is free from flesh, just single red for an instant. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Put two oil counters on it. That card seems fine to me. Nothing to write home about. Yeah, it's again, I think like the difference between this being like, I don't I don't want to use this. I I know I'm just going to get flamed for using this as a comparison, but like picture a world where this is kind of like a tune with ether. The single green, go find a land, get two energy. I'm not saying that oil is as broken as energy, but in the world where the oil counters really matter, right, where you're really getting value from them, I think this gets bumped up. This this could feel like, you know, combat trick draw card for one mana, depending on the oil counters thing. So I, I agree, like, this could just be whatever, but in the right deck or in the right instance, I do think this card could really shine. Well, I also think one mana combat tricks specifically yes. in this format are going to go up in value because people are going to be incentivized to both attack and block early. 
because mm-hmm. of toxic. So I think there's something to be said there as well for that. Agreed. The other one is Furnace Skull Bomb. This is one for the artifact. You can pay one to sacrifice it to draw a card, and you can also pay one in a red to sacrifice it to put two oil counters on something and then draw a card. Yeah, and then there are five cards that care about you having oil counters among all of your creatures, right? Some of them are like, get a bonus for all of the permanents you have with oil counters. Some of them just care that you have an oil counter somewhere. The, the one that I really want to shout out is Urabrask's Anointer. It's three and a red for a 4-2 artifact creature. When Urabrask's Anointer enters the battlefield, it deals X damage to any target, where X is the number of permanents you control with oil counters on them. And there is a real tension. This is the, my big takeaway from looking at oil counter stuff. There is a real tension between... The cards that have oil counters that largely want you to use them, and then this class of cards, which are your payoffs for oil counters, that don't want you to have used them, or at least want you to have one oil counter remaining on your things. So that I think is, I think it's going to be tricky to make up the decks with oil counters. And I think it's going to be tricky playing these decks as well when you're thinking about your payoffs in this category. I agree. It's much more fussy or finicky style of figuring out how to do the things like having all of, you also have to have all the things live on the battlefield, right? Your opponents with removal are going to be able to really mess with what you're doing with oil stuff on board just by getting the creatures off the battlefield. But I I do agree. I also want to shout out Icker Plate Golem. This card looks broken to me. Yeah. Three mana for a two, three. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, if it has one or more oil counters on it, put an oil counter on it, which is going to remove a lot of that tension that you were describing, right? Because they come Mm -hmm. juiced with an extra oil counter, which is usually an extra activation and then gives creatures you control with oil counters on them plus one, plus one, which is an anthem effect for your, presumably your team in an mm-hmm. oil deck, which is just absurdly powerful for a three yeah. mana, two, three at uncommon. I'm like, I feel like I already have a sense of whatever I, I've I played with poison before. Toxic makes sense to me. Corrupted makes sense to me. Proliferate makes sense to me. Certainly tweaking those knobs will be interesting. Oil counters is really what I'm curious about for the <laughs> for format. Sure. Cause, cause I don't get it yet. Like I see the pieces, but I've never quite played with something like this. And so I'm, I'm solving that puzzle. I think is going to be really fun. Oh yeah. Oil has Ethan written all over and me too. <laughs> honestly, I am all of yeah. the same things that you're saying. I, I am very excited. I do think it is going to be less easy to make good initially until we figure out how to build the decks because the toxic corrupted thing is just straightforward do the thing get your opponent three poison counters and then your stuff's going to be awesome correct one other thing i want to add about oil counters you know you were describing the tension there right proliferate alleviates that tension quite a bit because as long as you can just delay slightly activating those cards with oil counters till you proliferate once like proliferating is going to be the thing that lets you put all of that together and keep the oil counters on the things that even still want to use their own oil counters agreed i mean proliferate i think is the glue that ties a lot of these things together it's going to enable you know when your opponent has mounted a defense against your poison one poison two from your toxic creatures proliferate is the thing that gets you over that hump that gets you to your corrupted hump the the thing that keeps your oil counters alive that's why i think i mean maybe not early but my, my gut says that proliferate is going to be so so premium for a lot of these strategies and eventually it's gonna get snapped up early 
Yes. Like even the cards that are mediocre that have proliferate tacked onto them, like normally not super desirable limited effects, uh-huh. but say proliferate at the end of it are going to be pretty playable. Right. There's like a, there's a two, I don't know what it's called, but it's a two and a green, two, two, when it enters the battlefield, you choose one, a creature gets plus two, plus two and vigilance until end of turn or proliferate. And I was like, eh, that looks kind of junky. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I wonder how good that's going to be. Like, <laughs> I wonder how you're, eventually you're just going to have to be like, look, I need ways to proliferate that aren't just card for card. You know, a card equals proliferate. I need it tacked on to something. And I think you are going to start to to maybe pick those cards highly. And then the last, you know, sort of overarching thing is the four Mirrodin. Sorry, not F-O-U-R then Mirrodin, <laughs> but the mechanic for Mirrodin. You just need to um, say it the right way. You need to say for Mirrodin. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'll, I'll get uh, get a mystical dispute style audio clip here and go have a saying for Mirrodin with a charge behind it. I don't think there's much to talk about here with the equipment. I, I don't know if you feel differently. I think there are a few cards that care about equipment, but I think these are going to largely be judged on their own merits rather than synergy. I don't know. They're enticing it quite a bit. I think I'm higher on the four Mirrodin mechanic than you are. The I one- like the mechanic. What do you mean? I'm not I'm not against the mechanic. What are you against then? It's, it feels like what you're saying to me is that you don't think red white's going to be a very good deck. No, you're not. No, that's not what I'm saying. And that's if I'll play back to you what I said 20 <laughs> minutes ago, which is that I think red white's going to be a good deck, but I don't think it's going to be pick up the equipment the two equipment payoff cards or whatever, the Blade Hold War Whip and the Blade Graft Aspirant, and then you're like all in on equipment. I think you're just, whatever the good equipment are, are the good cards you're going to be putting in that deck, and the good creatures are the ones you put in that deck. I don't think... I don't think your pick orders are going to change with any payoffs. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think I'm picturing the deck differently. I think I'm lower on it in the sense that maybe lower on it than you because I have a different picture of the deck in my head. I'm picturing red white as a hyper focused for Mirrodin deck that only has those four Mirrodin cards and the payoffs and whatever. And I am a little down on it in that sense because I think it's going to be very constricting. Like while it will be powerful when you assemble those things, you're missing out on all of the other broad strokes in the format of corrupted and toxic and proliferate and whatever. So I I feel like there's going to be one red white for Mirrodin deck per table. Now I'm confused. Do you like this? I am hoping to not be that person, but I think if nobody else wants this stuff, like if everybody comes in with a mindset, well, I'm not really so worried about this or I don't want to draft this deck. I think if you get all of the cards, they do look like they're going to be very powerful when you put them together. And you, th- I'd say that's interesting. Yeah, I don't think you need to put anything together. I think you just draft the good cards in these colors and some of them are going to be equipment or some of them are going to be the four Mirrodin equipment that come into play with the creatures and some of them won't be. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I think we have two different opinions of the deck. All right, uh, this takes us on to some other categories. First up is fixing. There is a lot of fixing. There's... A Terramorphic Expanse, which is an Evolving Wilds variant, a land that has tap, sack it to search up a basic land, put it into play tapped, then shuffle, plus three other colorless ways to fix mana, and two ways in green to fix your mana. So quite a bit of colorless fixing. Now, whether or not you'll want to be splashing around, that remains to be seen, but my sense is that there is going to be quite a bit of bleed, specifically in like the Sultai colors, where you have the proliferate corrupted crossover, my guess is you are going to want to splash quite a bit in, in that color trio. Yeah, I honestly, the thing that sticks out to me about fixing is time as a mitigating factor for fixing and splashing mm. rather than like access to the cards that let you fix your right. splash. I, the picture I have in my head of the format right now is 
very low to the ground and very snowbally. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's a, that's a really good point. So maybe you're not, you know, if you are splashing, you can't really go full three color, even though the fixing may get you there. You just may not have the time to set all that up. Yeah. Next up is incidental life gain, which there is not much of. Um, so maybe the cards that do have lifelink or life gain are going to be a little bit better. But mostly there's a lot of cards that also ask you to pay life as a cost. So maybe they didn't want there to be a ton of freebies going on there. But we'll take a look at several of the cards that have incidental life gain in our grading differences. And then we go to sweepers. And luckily for us limited players, it's not a sweeper heavy format. Like there's not a lot of them. There are two kind of brutal ones that are at rare and not mythic. Um, The first is White Sun's Twilight. It says white, white X for a sorcery. It says you gain X life, create X 1-1 colorless Phyrexian might artifact creature tokens with toxic one. And if X is five or more, destroy all other creatures. Who, baby. That essentially says you win the game if you hit seven mana. Yeah, we usually don't like sweepers. We usually knock sweepers the more expensive they are because the harder it is for you to, you know, be able to get the card advantage from this by not affecting the board before your opponent kills you. But White Sun's Twilight makes up for that by the fact that if you get to seven mana or even more, you get to impact the board a huge amount with a bunch of mites and bonus points. Like this is a way to just win. If like, let's say your deck sort of halfway got there, you're like white, black corrupted. You got your opponent to five or six poison counters. Then you do this. They're basically dead. Yeah. That card is going to end the game a lot. Next up, we have the eternal wanderer. This is four white, white for a five loyalty planeswalker static ability. No more than one creature can attack the eternal wanderer each combat. Plus one, you exile up to one target artifact or creature, return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of that player's next end step. You can pay zero to make a 2-2 white samurai creature token with double strike. And the minus four, for each player, choose a creature that player controls. Each player sacrifices all creatures they control, not chosen this way. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the ultimate. But you could just do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, it's not. It's, is it an ultimate if you can do it? Yeah. The turn it comes into play because it's five loyalty and, and this you, is only minus wait, four. You get and to you pick. choose. Yeah. So you choose their worst creature. You choose your best creature. I mean, this card is... Very oh my dumb. god! Like, this card is going to be the bane of my existence, not in games of magic, but my Twitter feed. Why is that? Because everyone who among us will not complain about losing to this card on Twitter. Oh, for sure. Although I have my new resolution to not complain. So not me. Wow. So not going to be me. I'm going to be a better would, person. Would hate to see you break that in February. <laughs> would hate to see it. I'm already so salty the first time I played this card. <laughs> um, talk to me about the mana sinks in the format. So there's two kind of categories of mana sinks. There's equipment and then things that also are mana sinks but require oil counters to activate in addition to their mana. And then there's one category of card as well that's a mana sink that we don't really have a chance to talk about anywhere else. So I want to talk about it here. And this is the common sphere lands. So at common, we have, for example, this is the white one, the fair basilica. It enters the battlefield tapped. It taps for a white mana. Or you can also pay one and a white tap, sacrifice it to draw a card. These cycle of lands look great to me and i had not seen them anywhere prior to looking at the the full spoiler which i did not really have a chance to do until fairly late uh, close to recording because of how busy i've been that was weird to me these look awesome and i'd seen no discussion about them so on twitter or in the lords of limited discord really I, i like these quite a bit i like these a lot too but i often feel like i overrate these value lands and if the format is as 
fast or as on board as we perhaps think it is? You know, how many tapped lands can you have that are a liability? I don't think, you know, these aren't like deserts to me in Hour of Devastation, where some of those even cracked the top three commons of the of that color. Sometimes like the blue one was maybe, you know, top or number two common of the color. I don't think that's where I'm gonna be at with these. Um, but I, I do think they're, they're appealing for sure. So it'd be interesting to see where they shake out, where they're in the pick order. Um, but these are a, a big category of mana sinks in the format. Yeah, I think I agree with all that. I think you're happily playing the first two or three copies, but you're not necessarily, you're not picking them over the top comments. And they're not pulls into colors for sure. Yes, I agree with that. Last category, we always like to look at flying and flying hate. Sort of the usual spread, 18 creatures with a flying, three creatures with reach, one targeted way to blow up flyers. There's one card that I wanted to look at in particular, which is Copper Longlegs. This is one of the, the creatures with reach. It's one on a green for a 1-3 with reach. And you can pay one on a green to sack it to proliferate. This is usually a card that's you know relegated to the sideboard or relegated to a degrade. With the prevalence of cheap flyers, right? The one, one flyers with toxic one, the two, one flyers with toxic one, the, the thrumming bird to proliferate. Do we think copper long legs gets better? Maybe a smidge. Does a green deck need to run one of these? M- maybe, but I also think it's just going to get owned by combat tricks. Cause I think those decks are going to use combat tricks so mm. effectively because people are going to have to block. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. So I'm still pretty low on this card, but it did stick out to me as cause, cause there isn't anything else middling, right? There's, there's a red on common with reach. And then the other green creature with reach is a six mana, six, five. Game's going to be over by that time, baby. Right. Or or at least you'll be corrupted by that time. Yes. All right. You ready to argue? I am ready to argue. So as I said, we graded all of these cards in a spreadsheet. So we'll talk about the grading scale. We use the gold standard, the LRA through F grading scale, which we'll describe here. Um, and then we'll, we'll get into the differences. So our A's, our bombs, game winners, good in many situations, especially when behind the best cards in the set, bomb rares and hyper efficient spells. Cards like Portal to Phyrexia, Siege Veteran, Titania's Command, and Gix's Command. Bs are strong cards, cards that pull you into color or make you want to play that color, reasons to be in a particular color or combination of colors, the best commons and some good uncommons. Cards like Skyfisher Spider, Static Net, Obliterating Bolt, and Scrapwork Cohort. Your Cs are solid playables, the meat and potatoes of a limited deck, role player creatures, and normal removal spells. Cards like Mightstone's Animation, Boulder Branch Golem, Ravenous Gigamole, and Penragon Strongbowl. Your Ds are your sometimes playable, below average, 22nd, 23rd type cards, Goshen Medic, Latinam Adept, Gnarl Root Pallbearer, or Coastal Bulwark. Your Fs are unplayables, cards you should never put in your deck, weird rares like Calamity's Wake, Over the Top, and The Fall of Krug. We've got a couple other grades that have qualifiers for the grades. First of those is sideboard cards, cards that don't make the main deck, but when you board them in can be quite good. Cards like Defabricate, Dreams of Steel and Oil, or Disenchant. Yep, build around cards. These are cards that don't do much on their own, but when you build around them can be good to great. The retro artifact slot had quite a few of these in Howling Mine, Mesmeric Orb, and Aetherflux Reservoir. And the last category is synergy cards, which are cards that are not good enough to build around, but provide good synergy if they're in the right deck. Things like Energy Refractor, Survivor of Corliss, or Trench Stalker. So much. I think we're the only two people who like Energy Refractor in the world. <laughs> no, Samp does too from the Lords of Limited Discord. He's been championing it. All right, Ben, get your dukes up. We're going to battle it out here with some card gradation arguments. As is customary, the person with the higher grade must defend their honor first. We'll talk about Sinew Dancer here. It's a white common, single white for a 1-1. You can pay three and a white, tap it to tap target creature. 
and it has a corrupted cost of white tap to tap target creature. I gave this D, you gave this a C minus. This is, we're probably saying similar things here. Yeah, I don't love this card. I mean, you're not going after this. This is not a reason to play Corrupted. This In our 8-7 split, this is one that if you get Corrupted, sure, you'll play this card. Or if you think your deck is good at getting Corrupted, this is going to be playable. I mean, if you do do the thing, though, a one mana tapper, especially in a deck that's looking like it wants to push poison counters or wants to be very aggressive, is going to be a powerful card. I don't know. Like, this this just still seems below the par for me. And in the the world where, like, the deck you're describing, where you can turn on Corrupted effectively, I think you'll hopefully have better things to do. And when you can't turn on Corrupted, this card is abysmal. Yeah, all right, I'll come down to D+. Ooh, beautiful. First blood for you. First blood for me. All right, next up we've got Zealot's Conviction. This is white for an enchantment aura with flash, enchant creature, enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one, and its corrupted ability, if your opponent has three poison counters, is that enchanted creature gets an additional plus one, plus oh, and has first strike. So I gave this a C plus, you gave this a D plus. Yeah, I think even pre-argument, I'm already going to come up to you because I already know what your argument's going to be, and I think I agree with you. Yeah, my argument is that I think combat's going to be happening early and often, and the, the creatures are going to be similarly statted early on in the game when that combat is happening early and often, and winning a combat to give your thing plus one plus one for a single mana while also getting to develop your board seems broken to me and then later in the game this is also just incredible once your opponent is corrupted like it's just relevant at every single point in the game for one mana well and specifically in conjunction with a creature with toxic you know your opponent's incentivized to block it you slap this on it maybe wins that it hopefully wins that combat and then it's working towards enabling the corrupted that then makes this a really difficult threat to block right yeah the card just does everything you want yeah, I'll come up to C. I'm not quite high, as high as a C plus, but I'm definitely coming out of the, the D plus range. Next up is Mandible Justiciar. One on a white for a 2-1 artifact creature with lifelink. Whenever another artifact enters the battlefield under your control, Mandible Justiciar gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. I gave this a C plus, you gave this a C minus. And I, I gave this a higher grade initially off the back of, wow, there are so few ways to gain life. But I think the fact that this is a one toughness creature always on your opponent's turn, right? This can never effectively block a might. um, And this doesn't do a great job otherwise. And like racing toxic, I think is awkward. Like racing non-toxic decks, great. This is going to be a great card for that. But when you're racing toxic decks, this is going to be pretty awkward. Yeah, I mean, this is essentially a blue-white gold card, right? And Mm -hmm. even then, I I don't think it is a great one at that. Like you will probably play this in your blue white artifact decks but almost no white decks outside of that will want this card yeah i think you're right i think i think c minus sounds fine all right next up is gold warden's helm this is two and a white for a essentially two threes has four mirrodin and it's an equipment equipped creature gets plus o plus one and it's got an equip cost of one and a white i give us a c minus you give us a d i think we're saying a similar thing here but i think this comes back to my whatever, more excitement than the red-white deck than you have about it being equipment-focused, right? Like, this is a junkier for Mirrodin card, which is why you're not excited about this. Correct. Like, I'm a little more excited about the critical mass of for Mirrodin stuff happening and and Uh a critical mass of equipment and the equipment payoffs. So I give this a C minus, like similar to Mandible Justiciar. This is a red, white, gold card and not a great one. Yeah, you're right. This just comes down to how we're picturing this deck and how it's going to like be constructed. And I think if if I'm right, it's a D. And if you're right, it's a C (laughs) minus. Yes. So 
Touche. Yeah. No, no winner yet. We'll see when the yeah. format starts. <laughs> uh, looking at the uncommons, we have Resistance Reunited. It's one on a white for an instant. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Equipped creatures you control gain indestructible until end of turn. Again, I think how we're picturing this deck, I gave this a D plus. You gave this a Synergy C plus. Yeah, this is the exact same conversation. But if I'm right, Resistance Reunited is going to be very good. Would you agree with that? Totally agree, for sure. Yeah, so we'll just have to see how the deck pans out. Next up is Apostle of Invasion. This is four white, white for a four, four with flying. As long as an opponent has three or more poison counters, it has double strike. You gave this a C plus. I gave us a D. Talk to me about this card. Yeah, I think I'm probably just too high on the six mana four, four flyers. There's there's one in blue as well. It's just hard to deny a four, four flying double strike. Like maybe I need to give this a synergy grade or perhaps a build around grade. I didn't count this as one of the like, you really want to get corrupted for this, but it's so much damage. So much damage. I just think if you're that deck, the game should already be over by that point. That deck looks so explosively fast to me. Yeah, but I just I just don't think this is going to be a relevant piece. Yeah. And, and otherwise, just six mana, four, four flyers, whatever. I mean, D seems a little low for that. Can I talk you up to C minus? I don't know, man. Like, think about Gin of the Fountain from DMU. Four blue, blue, four, four flying. When you cast an instant or sorcery, choose one, it gets plus one, plus one. Or you can exile it, return to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. Or you can scry one. Like, that card is easily as good as these cards. It just wasn't good. And that format, from what it seems like, if I'm right about how board impacting this format is, DMU was significantly slower. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, I'm going to go down to C- minus because I don't want to be so wrong, but I think <laughs> I'm basically wrong. All right, takes us on to the blue commons. First up is Aspirant's Ascent. Single blue for an instant. Until end of turn, target creature gets plus one, plus three, and gains flying and toxic one. I gave this a D plus. You gave this a C. I think just again off the back of cheap combat tricks are going to be important for toxic. Yeah, off the back of cheap combat tricks are going to be important for toxic. And I also think if you view this as, so let's say there's going to be a lot of combat. This can help you win a combat for a single mana, keep you developing your board. You can also like, let's say you get in your first hit with toxic, a toxic Mm -hmm. creature, and then your opponent's trying to stop you. This is essentially one mana instant give your opponent corrupted then right like if you can get in that first hit and then the toxic stack yeah then you can turn on corrupted for a single mana which i think that is a very playable card if this says single mana instant turn on corrupted like it's awesome right yeah that's really smart okay i'm coming up to see i like that argument all right next up we've got glistener seer this is single blue for an o3 etbs with three oil counters on it can tap remove an oil counter from it to scry one you give us a d plus i gave this a c i like this card because i think getting on board early is going to be important like you're going to be able to block the ground toxic creatures this blanks a might i mean not that that's the most most relevant thing in the world this also just sits on the battlefield with oil on it which is important i think like cheap creatures that are going to have oil on them is just good in general. And then it also comes with an excess of oil counters. So you're going to be able to scry a couple times to maybe find your proliferate cards. Like I just think all all told, this does a lot of small things really well. And I think that's going to make it a playable card. I, I agree with all the things you're thinking about, but all of those add up to a D plus for me in terms of I'm never going to end a draft and be like, dang, if only I had some Glistener Seers. Like, will I put this in some number of decks? For sure. Like, I need, I, all the, it does all those things. I, I, okay, I just didn't get quite enough early drops. I just have, I have so many oil payoffs that I want as many things with oil counters on them as possible. I have a bomb I'm trying to dig for, whatever. 
I'm never going to actively want this in a deck. I, I, this is similar to there was the two mana one three in uh, Kaladesh that had three energy counters and tapped to remove an energy to scry one. I, I do. I, this is very similar to that in my mind, and that wasn't very important of a card, and I don't think this is either. Well, except there weren't except a toxic. lot of cards. Well, no, no, no. Except toxic, and except there weren't a lot of cards that cared about like you having cards with energy on them, right? Like there's an aspect of oil where mm. like cards sitting on the battlefield with oil on them but is that's a not good worth thing a for you. Card. But this is a card. Like an O3 no, that not. blocks that O3 that blocks something ben. and scries? Ben. That's definitely a card. Sir, one mana O3 that scries a few times is a card? Sigil Starfish would like a word, my dear friend. Sigil Starfish is 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs> get out of here i like this card i stand uh, firm at wow. c what's so it makes me so mad about cards like this is i will play twice the number of these <laughs> than you but i know i'm right that this isn't that important okay uh next up i really want to talk about icker synthesizer you missed the podcast so much <laughs> i know i know i did i did i'm so excited uh icker synthesizer this is that uh two mana one three whenever you cast a non-creature spell you put an oil counter on it and as long as it has four or more oil counters it gets plus two plus oh and can't be blocked i gave this a build around c plus gave this a c minus so one of the things that i really wanted to try to start doing from our conversations with bro because i've been drafting bro actually quite a bit like just you know rocking jonah to sleep playing some best of one on my computer on uh, my phone and one of the things i really like is those decks built around the game plans of common cards the warlords elite the mightstones animations and the goblin blast runners and i was like looking through the spoiler and i was like i really want to see if i can peg those cards a little earlier than like you know a month into the format and I think Icar Synthesizer really fits that bill for me. I think it does not. I mean, I, I clearly I graded it lower. I yeah. just think this isn't good enough at anything. Like, I don't think I like. Yeah, honestly, it's, you're right. You're, it, has, it has one one power, so it's not as good as Glistener Seer. You're right. <laughs> That's what I was just here to say. I, seriously, no joke. I think Glistener Seer is a better card. That is <laughs> insane behavior. That is <laughs> completely. Completely insane behavior. I can't tell you differently than I feel. That's how I feel right now. I might feel differently after playing with the cards. This is this is so similar to Goblin Blast Runner to me in that like you get them, whatever you clock that one exists in you know your first pack. You see one pick five. You get a couple of these, and then this is your deck's game plan. And and all of a sudden, the anticipate plus proliferate card is putting two oil counters on this, and all of a sudden. You have this card that you have two or three copies of a card that wants to retain oil counters. And then all of those things that care about you having oil counters on them gets a lot better. I think this is, I do think this is really going to be a game planet common kind of card. So let's say you get your two Icar synthesizers out. I guess that clock's pretty fast. I just it's think so then you're fast. Gonna, I just think you're going to end up racing against toxic creatures and toxic things are going to win the race versus like the Icar synthesizers that you did work to build because you're not playing defense when you're playing offense. Well, whatever. Okay. So then replace the anticipate with volt charge or whatever. Like I, it's not like this is my only thing that I'm doing. I'm going to have blockers. I'm going to have removal, right? Just like the toxic decks. Yeah. It's probably better than I'm giving it credit for. I'll, I'll come up to see, but I, I love myself a glistener seer. Speaking of build arounds, let's talk about font of progress. This is probably, <laughs> this is a terrible magic card. Single blue for an artifact enters the battlefield with two oil counters on it. Pay three tap target player mills X card 
cards where X is the number of oil counters on Font of Progress. I gave this a build around C. You gave this a build around D. And the only reason I just I didn't take this off of our list of cards to argue is because I just want to like push back on the grade of build around D should not exist. <laughs> like, sure. You shouldn't be allowed to do that. Okay, build around C, build whatever. This is this is a card that is going to entertain you late in yeah. the format. We need, do we need a, a new category of cards? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. F for F for fun. Yes. <laughs> Next up is Transplant Theorist. This is three and a blue for two four. When it or another artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card, and then you can pay two mana to put target card from your graveyard on the bottom of your library. Loops. Loops. But okay, so loops aside, I gave this build around C plus, you gave this a D. Loops aside, my love for the, you know, pay two to, you know, loop your library with your graveyard aside. Four mana, two, four artifact, ETB loot. Every artifact you have, ETBs and loots, that's better than a D. Yeah, this is more like, so a synergy C maybe or something. Yeah, synergy C. In blue white. And blue white, or you know, I you might have an artifact package otherwise, because like you know, the blue cards care about non-creature spells, so maybe you're playing some, you know, you've got the the blue icy manipulator, and you've got the whatever the skull bombs, you know, they you you might have a package here as well. It's, it's better than a D, yeah, but not good. This is why we have grades, so we don't have to use adjectives. Well, but yes, but wasn't your initial grade <laughs> higher than a build around C plus? Wasn't it like a B or something? Like that? Yeah, maybe. Oh, who knows? Who knows? Who knows what I feel it was? like this I grade changed, is different than the grade I looked at last night. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. It is. It is. Uh, yeah. So maybe we'll go synergy C. Sure. Together. Sounds good. And now there's no evidence of differences <laughs> otherwise. All right. First up with Black Commons is Offer Immortality. This is one and a black for an instant. Target creature gains death touch and indestructible until end of turn. I gave this a C minus. You gave this a D. How how am I higher on a combat trick than you? Cost two I, mana, baby. I just think I, this is too expensive. It does cost two, but these indestructible tricks, like I always think they're going to be clunky and they always play out so much better. Like remember when I guess I guess because those were both one mana, because I was going to say, remember an HBG where we had like the adventure of the hippogriff being the indestructible trick. And then we just ended up playing Armor of Shadows, which was just Black's version of that as a as one card without the creature. But that was one mana. So maybe two mana is just too big of a deal. I think two mana is too big of a deal. That's a deal breaker for me. All right, I'll go down to D then. All right, next up is Raska's Fall. We get to talk about those edict effects. I gave this a C minus. You gave this a D. This is two and a black for an instant. Each opponent sacrifices a creature or planeswalker and gets a poison counter. Edict seems so junky to me in this format. Yeah, yeah it's not great. I This is... And it's, and it's three mana. Maybe if it was two... But even like I just the edict so so stinky. Yeah, there's something about appealing about like wanting to get your opponent that first poison counter so that you can proliferate it. I think that's where my mind was at with it. But this is just embarrassing if your opponent has a might or right. Like if you want to do that, then like blue has one and a blue, they get a poison draw card. All right, I- I'm coming down to D with you. Not great. I was too high on it. Looking at the uncommons, first up is Bilious Skull Dweller, single black for a 1-1 with Death Touch and Toxic 1. I gave this a C. You gave this a B minus. Yeah, I think all told, this is just going to get the Toxic Ball rolling early, which is yeah. premium. Like, it's insane on turn one because mm-hmm. you're likely going to get a hit in, especially if you're mm-hmm. on the play. And then 
death touch makes it relevant later into the game like this is going to trade for something real the mites can't block i just i like this card a lot i think it's going to be important to have your curve low and to get on board early to try to get those toxic counters going yeah i'm in i think i gave that a c when i thought blocking mites was going to be more important than i now think it is well and this boils down to also the question of whether it's a b minus or a c plus this is a i think uh, maybe it's not a premium enabler. What are you taking pack one pick one? Are you taking a Bilious Skull Dweller or are you taking the 1-1 one, one Flying Toxic 1? I think I'm probably taking the 1-1 one, one Flying Toxic 1. I am, yeah. So maybe this is a C plus. C plus, yeah. Okay. All right, next up is Necrogen Communion. You gave this a Synergy C plus. I gave this a D plus. This is one in a black for an aura, enchant creature you control, enchanted creature has toxic two. When enchanted creature dies, return that card to the battlefield under your control. I have one word for you with this card, and that is thrumming bird uh what does what does this do with thrumming bird this is gonna make you give us three poison counters on hit instant corrupted and and just kill them yeah you're saying yeah like that's not gonna happen (laughs) well i mean it might but you also have to stick this on the thrumming bird like you're never casting this when your opponent has open mana there's hex gold slash like there's ways to interact yes yes i understand how auras work like live a little dream my friend (laughs) i agree (laughs) This card is gonna like Toxic Two is no joke. The fact that once this sticks, you can it's very difficult for you to get punished fully, right? Because you'll get your creature back. Like, sure, there are some aura based removal spells, sure there's some exile, but you know, a lot of the time this will come back. And and I do think the combos are huge. Whatever, stick this on Thrumming Bird on the on the single on on the black two mana one one flyer with Toxic One, right? Instant corrupted is really good that was listen that was my case to alex last week i like this card quite a bit he he poo-pooed me and talked me down on it what's his problem because removal exists just that auras are bad like there's just better magic cards in this like there's other ways too but i think if you're viewing this as much like i was saying with the blue combat trick yeah like much like i was saying if you're viewing this as two mana spend a card give your opponent corrupted i think that might be worth it in this format i'm gonna join you on synergy c plus Right, I'm not saying it's worth it in every deck, but there are going to be decks where that is worth it, where you have like, you know, six of the cards that are like, hey, if you really turn on Corrupted, you're doing it. The more ways you can do that consistently and with less work, I think the better. Yeah, I'm in. Next up is Feed the Infection. You give us a C plus, I give us a D plus. This is three and a black for sorcery. You draw three cards and you lose three life. And Corrupted, each opponent who has three or more poison counters loses three life. Yeah, I was, so what did you give the... uh yeah, you gave it a C. I was going to say, what did you give the the blue? Blue has a five mana draw three proliferate. Draw three is a lot. That's all, that's all I'm saying here with the feed the infection. Four mana draw three is a lot. Well, right. And I would be way more jazzed about this if the corrupted ability were like you draw three cards like and not mess with your opponent, like and just not lose the life or uh-huh. you gain three life or something like Three yeah, the life corrupted loss. ability doesn't matter. Yes. Three life loss is just so much. And I think four mana to not impact the board is also so much. Yeah. When you're also when you're also losing life. <laughs> All right. I'll come down to C minus here. That takes us on to red, where we've got a whole slew of uncommons that we want to argue about. First of those is churning reservoir. I am shocked that I'm higher on this card than you. I mean, again, this is going to be a card where I grade it lower and play it way more than you. So this is single red for an artifact. At the beginning of your upkeep, put an oil counter on another target non-token artifact or creature you control. 
Pay two, tap, create a 1-1 red Phyrexian Goblin Creature token. Activate only if an oil counter was removed from a permanent you controlled this turn, or a permanent with an oil counter on it was put into a graveyard this turn. This seems fun. I just don't know how good it is. So you gave us a D. I gave us a build around C+. So here are things I think this card has going for it. First Mm. of all, it's one mana. It's very low investment. You're going to be able to put oil on things that wouldn't normally get oil on them to power up all your cards that like want a critical mass of things with oil counters on them. That seems sweet to me, like getting oil counters on things that don't natively have oil counters. And this is also kind of at the intersection of red, black and oil, like the the, the sacrifice deck and oil, like these goblin creature tokens are sacrifice fodder for that. But you can't put the oil counters on them put an oil counter on another target non-token creature you control yeah they don't need the oil counters they're just sacrifice fodder for your cards that want you to sacrifice some things but, and there's not, not but, a- then, but then that's not triggering this right you're not going to be able to then make more because you need a thing with an oil counter to die or an oil counter to be removed i'm just saying this doesn't fuel itself make a one one and then start you know put a counter on that sack it make another one one Absolutely. I like okay. I'm in an oil deck. I'm basically viewing this as two tap make a one one. Like it's going to be yes. trivially easy to remove oil counters from things. I agree with that. That's fair. And I think I think a card that says two tap make a one one is a, a good card in limited. OK. All right. So I build around C plus. All right. I'll come up. All right. Next up is exuberant fuseling. You give us a D plus. I give us a synergy C plus. This is red for an O one with trample and it gets plus one plus O for each oil counter on it. When it ETBs and whenever another creature or artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put an oil counter on exuberant fuseling. So this is going to enter as a one one trample with an oil counter on it. And I think that's important again, just to get the oil counter thing rolling. You're going to be able to proliferate on this to grow it. It's maybe going to get in some hits early, and then it's going to have to be dealt with. It's it's almost like in some senses, it's almost like Zenith Flare or like Dragon Spark Reactor. <laughs> Stop. I mean, yeah, I, I know, come I on. Know. Stop. I know that that is like over the top. But OK, Dragon Spark Reactor. Stay with me there. Not Zenith. <laughs> sure. But that I mean, that was <laughs> as, as much as I am a defender of Dragon Spark Reactor. Not a great card that I have to throw your your argument. If I was arguing about this card, you would be like, but toxic. Like you don't want to, you can't race a toxic deck with this stupid little thing. I agree. You're not trying to race. Your your hits are way less worth anything. Your your hits are not worth as much as your opponent's hits are. So what are you doing with this? You're waiting for you're waiting for it to be like an eight one or a nine one. Like it is. How is that happening? (laughs) It's how does seven things have to die? Or wait, wait, what? And there's the battlefield, or whenever another creature already. Okay. Did you think it was whenever a creature enters the battlefield? With an oil counter, I did, yeah. Sir, this is a Wendy's. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like to revise your grade? I would like to revise my grade. I appreciate the opportunity. Is this still Zenith Flare adjacent? No. I'm so sorry, everyone. All right, next up we have Gleeful Demolition. Single red for a sorcery. Destroy target artifact. If you controlled that artifact, create three 1-1 red Phyrexian Goblin creature tokens. I gave this a Synergy C. You gave this a D. I have two words for you for Mirrodin. Yeah, I mean, this is fine. I Like, Alex was pretty high on this card, too, when we talked about it last week. I just am not 
that jazzed about three one one goblins for one mana. I guess I should be you, like you blow, yeah, you yeah. play one of the, you play like that two three junky white equipment, and yeah, then you have a two two dies. blow it up and three one ones. Yeah, yeah, that's, I, yeah, it's probably better. Yeah, all right, I'll join if you. you. Have, Synergy if you seat. have like, yeah, if you have like four or five um, of the four Mirrodin cards, I think you're happy with this. Yeah, all right, I, I'm on board. Synergy C, I'm coming up. Great. Next up, we have Hexgold Halberd. You give us a C plus. I give us a B. This is one in red for an artifact equipment. It has four Mirrodin, and as long as it's your turn, equipped creature has first strike and trample. Equip cost is two and a red. I think this card is just a ball of efficiency. Maybe it's B minus, but like this card is great. Yeah, I mean, if you're saying B minus, then we're, we're very close. This just doesn't pull me into red. I'm largely judging this off the back of a two mana, two, two, when it's your turn, it has first strike and trample and first strike mattering more than trample there, which is good. Equip cost of three and no boost of power and toughness is quite a bit that I don't particularly love this when it dies. But again, it's it's there rather than not being there. And that's worth something. But that just makes it a C plus for me. That doesn't pull me into red yet. Well, this pulls back to that same view of the deck also, right? Too, you're viewing this as the card and I'm viewing mm-hmm. it as having synergistic upside, I think, that you are not but there, as much. There's not much synergistic upside. I mean, we sort of glossed over them in the crash course text, but like there's the equipment that like reduces your equip cost. There's that common creature that reduces some equip costs, right? Isn't that it? And then there's, I guess, the big trampler that has affinity for equipment. Yeah, there's the removal spell, but everybody's going to be picking that card anyway. Yeah. Like, it's not like you're going to get that late. I don't know. Uh, okay. B-, B minus. I'll come down a bit. Okay. Ooh, I can't wait to talk about this next card. Magmatic Sprinter. Two and a red for a 3-2 with haste. When it enters the battlefield, put two oil counters on target artifact or creature you control. At the beginning of your end step, return Magmatic Sprinter to its owner's hand unless you remove two oil counters from it. I gave this a B. You gave this a C. Yeah, we had a long conversation about this last week on the podcast, and I I don't love it after our conversation. So I'm curious to see where you're at on it. Well, I, I would hate to, you know, go on some previously trodden ground here but yeah i'll I'll throw out my argument which is just there are very few ways for cards to put oil counters on other cards and this is not only a way to do that but a potentially repeatable way to do that and it gives you the choice of doing that so when you want it to be a three mana three two with haste then great it's a three mana three two with haste and yes i know it goes back to your hand the next turn right the end of the next turn if it's uncontested in those two turns that's six damage. That's great for that plan. Otherwise, it's probably going to trade off, right? Like you surprise your opponent with it the first turn, the next turn they keep a 2-2 back, trade with it. Fine, right? Like that's how we would imagine this playing out. Yeah. Okay. So then the other times where you want this repeatable way to get oil counters, it's pretty awesome if you can afford to do that. But Hopefully, if you're doing that, you can afford to do it. And there's just so few ways to do that, to replenish oil in that way, other than certainly proliferate. But we've talked about, I think proliferate will be at a premium. And then sometimes this might just do combo duty, right? Of you get the, you put the oil counters on, you get the attack in, you say, hey, trade with this or not. And then I get it back and I can do it next turn. I don't know. This, this, I'm going to be starting by picking this highly because I think it's a unique enough effect in the format. That's what I, I think it is unique. So I gave us a C. I, we, I talked with Alex a lot and I initially thought it was just a th- you had the option to make it a 3-2 haste. And I mm-hmm. was much higher on it when I thought that was the case rather than just it being on the battlefield for two turns. Sure. Ultima- ultimately, I think this 
does a lot of different things and is a cool card, but it doesn't really do anything that you want to do well. Like it's not a great three, two haste. It's not a great repeatable oil counter. I think like you would rather just proliferate at that point in the game, at the point in the game where you are spending three mana to put two oil counters on something you would you would rather just be proliferating in my opinion not necessarily i mean two oil counters on a thing may be worth more than one oil counter or one counter on many things i don't know I, I hear what you're saying but but yeah i'm 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 sorry it seems seems unique enough that i feel like i don't want to overlook it for now for sure next up is urbras anointer 3 and a red for a 4/2 when it etbs it deals x damage to any target where x is the number of permanents you control with oil counters on them you give us a build around B plus. I give us a synergy C plus. So in the range of this is four mana, four, two ETB deal, four mana, four, two ETB deal three. What grade do you give that? Uh, B or B plus? B? B plus, right? Yeah. So a card that doesn't always do that, but requires you to build around it to do it would be a build around B plus. Would you not agree with that? Well, but some of... Like, that's assuming you go one drop, two drop, three drop that all have oil on them, right? Because this doesn't have its own oil counter. So you can't like, you can't cast this on curve and expect it to do that. And when it's off curve, like some of the power of. That's what a build around. That's what we're talking about, though. What else is a build around grade other than like I'm constructing my deck and making pick orders to do this thing? Oh, right. But I think let's say best case scenario, you're building your deck around this. It's Mm -hmm. dealing two damage on curve best, like best case scenario is dealing three damage on curve you go one drop two drop three drop they all have oil yeah i guess that that just depends on how much oil stuff i think you're going to be able to get well sir i gotta tell you if you don't think this is good your glistener seer certainly isn't good <laughs> i am i'm with you like <laughs> I, I agree i agree with the disparity there <laughs> the the mental <laughs> disparity but I, I think we've seen this card quite a bit, like Kaldheim coming back, like the 4-2 the that did it with creature types. Wasn't that card very good? No, I don't think so. Like, I think it was kind of a, a trap in some senses. Like, you had to do, like, picking it and assuming you were going to get all the stuff. I think this is more of a reward that you're going to get for being heavily in oil than it is, like, take this and this is going to be the incentive to build an oil deck. And, may, and maybe it's like a B minus. I just don't. I've been pretty consistently underwhelmed by this thing that's got conditions on it that doesn't help you meet the condition. Like we've seen this four mana four two deal damage equal to X where it doesn't help you get to X. Yeah, but there's so I wanted to be down on that kind of thing. I wanted to be like, oh, well, like it's corrupt. It has corrupted, but it doesn't actually have toxic. There's just almost nothing I feel like in the format that is both a payoff and an enabler in that sense. That I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe build around B plus is too high. Maybe it needs to be build around B. But like, if you if if this isn't an incentive to go all in on oil, I don't know what is. Right. That that's fair. I mean, I think some of the cards that grow with oil counters, like some of the creatures whose static power and toughness is, I, I would go B minus. I think I would I would come up there. But ultimately, like what's going to be the determining factor for the card is whether or not it makes you want to draft oil. And I guess it, it makes you want to draft oil. I, I will give it that. It would, it would make me want to draft oil. I mean, let's just say, like I said, like if I can make this a four mana deal, four mana, four, four mana thing that affects the board and kills a creature, that seems like a pretty good card to me. Yes, that's a very good card. All right. 
Let's go to green because I want to talk about this one card that I just kept misreading because I wanted to grade this highly and then I, I just had to stop doing it. Oh, wait, so, I pulled my grade up after I saw your grade. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's very funny because I so I wanted to stop underrating these green one drops that made mana. So Rustfind Cultivator is single green for a one two. You can tap to put an oil counter on it and you can tap to remove an oil counter. And I basically just completed that in my head to be add a mana of any color, but it's not. It's untap target land you control, which I think doesn't quite get the job done, right? Right. So I gave us, I initially gave us a C, bumped up to C plus after I saw your C plus because I thought about it a little more. Mm -hmm. And I I think you're right, but it does ramp you the same way a two mana, like it'll ramp you once efficiently, the same way a two mana mana dork would. But it also- Right, because you play it on turn one, turn two, you put a counter on it, turn three- you can play a four drop. And I think that's good. It also gets you on board. It also blanks might tokens. It holds oil. So I think it does a lot of small things. C plus is probably too high, but I do kind of like what it has to offer in theory, but it's maybe right. it's C minus C. I think it's a I cool can, card. Let's, let's meet at C. I think that's okay. fair. All right. Next up is Evolving Adaptive. This is green for a zero, zero ETBs with an oil counter. Gets plus one, plus one for each oil counter on it. And whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, that creature has greater power or toughness than this. Put an oil counter on Evolving Adaptive. I give us a B, you give us a C plus. B might be a tad high, but I like this card. <laughs> I think it's a pull into green. Like, I think it's a super solid B minus. Yeah, B, B minus. I can meet you there. Yeah, I like. I don't dislike this card. I just wasn't like crazy high on it. Didn't make my like top couple of green uncommons. You know, like th- this will grow, and I do think it's nice that it holds oil. I think it's nice that it interacts with both oil and proliferate, and just grows on its own. Um, certainly, a tur- this as a turn one play is going to be really strong. So uh, I'm, I'm in for B minus. All right, next up is Venomous Brutalizer. This is two GG for a four four with Toxic three. When it ETBs, you can pay one in a green. If you do proliferate, you give us a B. I give us a C plus. I mean, I think I am just known for overrating the four mana four fours. So I'm, I'm trying to temper that. But it's hard for me to not love everything about this card. Four mana, four, four is huge. Toxic three is huge. This is like, you know, if you care at all about, forget being condemned, but you can just, you know, win, I guess, with uh, poison in this way. And then the fact that also, you know, you get to six mana and you get that proliferate trigger, that all adds up to, I think, a really good card. Yeah, I guess... Where I'm stuck is, does this really pull me into green? It probably does pull you into green. I could see it being a, a B minus. Like there are cards, there are ways to give this flying and blue. Like this, yeah. if you're viewing this as a blue green card, I guess it's a pretty scary card. <laughs> four mana, four, four toxic. It hits green. the battlefield. I think you're just like, what? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think if my opponent casts this on curve, I'm going to be pretty scared. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think too. All right, I'll go B minus. And the classic... Ben Warney card, Noxious Assault, <laughs> three green green for a sorcery. Creatures you control get plus two, plus two until end of turn. He loves it. He can't get enough overrun. Whenever a creature blocks this turn, its controller gets a poison counter. Yeah, we've had this argument before. Yeah, so you gave, us a, you gave us a D. I gave it a synergy C plus. I'm learning, though. It used to be my grade would have been a B for this card. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm tempering it a little bit. But I've got. So what's the synergy here? It's green white. This is a green white gold card. And I think this is going to be a good card in green white. And as a poison finisher, you think? A poison finisher or a damage finisher. Like imagine you have might sitting on the battlefield, which yeah. is ostensibly what green white is wanting to do. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to be pressuring both your opponent's life total and their their poison count. And I think this is just going to get the job done. 
Right. I mean, if, you, if you've gotten your opponent to poison five and you have five creatures, this wins, right? I guess if they all have toxic, it wins. But Right. And if, if green-white is good at going wide, which I'm going to trust that it is for, for now, like the, I think this is a green-white gold card, and I think you're going to play this in your green-white decks, and I think it's going to end some games. Okay. I am not convinced, but I hope for your sake that you're right. All right. Speaking of green, white, go wide, let's talk about the one signpost uncommon here in Slaughter Singer. It's green, white for a 2-2 with toxic 2. And it says whenever another creature you control with toxic attacks, it gets plus 1, plus 1 until end of turn. I gave this a C plus, you gave this a B. And it's interesting to note that largely I just think all of these signposts are great. This is the one I graded the lowest, the only one I didn't put in the B minus or above range. Um, So talk to me about how you see this card playing out. Well, it's essentially a two mana four two, right? Like assuming it's getting in, like not for attacking purposes, but like if uncontested, if your opponent misses their two drop or something, hitting in a a hit for two toxic is great. And then this is also going to give attacks for your mites. Your mites are going to attack as two twos, like they're going to be harder to block. I just think this is going to make your opponent's life miserable. If green white is wanting to be toxic. That's the only thing is there's not that many mites. And maybe I'm hung up on that. Like, yeah, maybe, but like there are a lot of white toxic creatures that look right. very good and like right. with another extra power and toughness look even better. Yeah, I, was, I just didn't know. I was like thinking about this card and I was like, I don't know if this makes me feel like I want to have, you know, if I have a handful of solid green cards and then see this or a handful of solid white cards and then see this, sure, I'll take it. But I don't know if pack one, pick one, I'm like, ooh, let's do, let's try and do the thing. Whereas most of the other signposts did make me feel that way. Interesting. I really only feel that way about the blue black and the black white ones the ones i gave b pluses to uh-huh. the rest, yeah, the rest yeah. of them i picture i mean i guess there be b power levels but once you're in that color pair sure like in sure my mind, like for for the green white one i'm i'm hoping to start drafts white at this point white looks really good to me i'm picturing yeah. white and then like seeing a slaughter singer and being like boom great green white this looks amazing agreed all right well We're going to hit the two-hour mark, it feels like. But before we do that, (laughs) let's get into our top three commons of each color and our top three uncommons of each color. I'll go first in white, which, as you said, looks super strong. was very hard for me to pick what my top three were. Uh, Moving up from three to one, in my number three slot, I have Basilica Shepherd. It's three white, white for a three-three flyer. When it ETBs, you make two mites. Card just seems... I I read that card and I sent it to you. I was like, "What, what is this? How is this a common? Like... Seems very strong to me, um, but again, could be just me overrating those expensive flyers. Uh, in my number two slot, I have Duelist of Deep Faith, one and a white for a 2-2 with Toxic 1, and as long as it's your turn, Duelist of Deep Faith has First Strike, and a nod to the removal spell here. In my number one slot, I do have Planar Disruption, one and a white for an Aura, Enchant Artifact, Creature, or Planeswalker, Enchanted Permanent, can't attack or block, and its activated abilities can't be activated. Yeah, I like that list. My top two are the same as yours, Planner Disruption and Duelist of Deep Faith, the 2-2 Toxic First Striker. My number three is different. I've got Flensing Raptor, 2-1 for 2-2 Flying with Toxic 1, and whenever ETBs, another target creature you control with Toxic gets plus one, plus one, and gains Flying until end of turn. Yeah, that card seems great. There, there was also, uh, I kind of want to shout out, there's the one drop, the single white for a 1-1 with Toxic that dies into a Mite. That card also seems great to me. That card also seems great. There's also the one three that pumps your team once yes. your opponent's constructed, co- corrupted, which also seems insane. Like white looks absolutely bonkers to me and wants to get your opponent dead in a hurry. Right. It looks really powerful. And 
it's so like inherently synergistic. If we go back to your your great synergy theory quadrants, right? That how it plays with itself is just it's very clear to me what it's trying to do. Yeah, you had sent me a message when the when the full spoiler dropped, like, do I still know how to grade cards? I think every white card is great. And I had seen some of them at that point. And then when I sat down and looked last night, I was like, whoa, <laughs> I see what you mean about white. Like, I, I, just, I was just like, as I was great, because of the first color I went to, I was like, C plus, C plus, C plus. I was like, oh, no, I've lost my touch. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Looking at the uncommons in my number Two slot, I have Annex Sentry, two and a white for a 1-4 with Toxic 1. When it enters the battlefield, exile target artifact or creature and opponent controls with mana value three or less until Annex Sentry leaves the battlefield. And in my number one slot, I have Ossification, one and a white for an aura. Enchant basic land you control. When Ossification enters the battlefield, exile target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls until Ossification leaves the battlefield. Yeah, both those cards are great. I've got them in the other order, but those are my top white uncommons as well. Awesome. That takes us on to the top blue commons. I did not know what to do with the blue commons. So <laughs> there's some I had, so I in the interest of not knowing, I decided to uh, bring some spicy takes because I think blue looks pretty poor to me at, at, at common. common. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Just like really rough. Um, so I, I put together a holy trinity of cards that are going to play well together in a blue uh, control deck. I, I like blue poison control as a, as a thing that blue could potentially do. So in my number three, I've got prologue to phyresis. That's one in a blue instant. Each opponent gets a poison counter, draw a card. That's almost certainly not a top, common, <laughs> but I like it. That's my hot take. Love it. And then. In the number two slot, I've got Experimental Augury, one in a blue instant. Look at the top three, put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order, and then you proliferate. I do think that card is legitimately going to be great in the format. Mm -hmm. And then my number one slot is Bring the Ending, one in a blue for an instant, counter target spell, unless its controller pays two, and you counter that spell instead if its controller has three or more poison counters if you've got Corrupted turned on. So all three of those at two mana instant speed. I think could potentially play really well together. I want to ask you the same question you threw back at me about Scatter Ray, which I think we both had as a, a top blue common in Bro and ended up being a real clunker of a card. How confident are you about Bring the Ending being the best blue common? I'm pretty confident because blue looks atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> And and it's going to be good early and good late, presumably, In, yeah. if you build your deck right and you give things corrupted. Yeah, I think I'm with you there because I also have bring the ending as my number one. Uh, my number two is Icker Synthesizer. That's the two mana one three that uh, gets oil counters when you play non-creature spells. And then when it has four oil counters, it's uh, three, three unblockable. And then my number three is Mesmerizing Dose. This is one blue blue for an aura. When it enters the battlefield, you tap Enchanted Creature, then proliferate. An Enchanted Creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. Normally, don't love the Claustrophobia variants in uh, Limited, but I do think proliferate tacked on to a desirable effect or a semi-desirable effect uh, is going to be good. Yeah, I agree. That was my actual number three blue common, <laughs> but I wanted to, I wanted to go hot take with the prologue to Phyresis. Love it. Uh, what are your uncommons? My uncommons in the number two slot, I've got Trawler Drake. It says two and a blue for a zero zero flying at ETBs with an oil counter on it. it. Gets plus one plus one for each oil counter on it. 
And whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put an oil counter on Trawler Drake. And then my number one is the classic Thrummingbird. One on a blue, one one flyer. When it deals combat damage, you get a pillar freight. Yeah, I have Thrummingbird as my number one as well. And my number two is Unctus's Retrofitter. Two and a blue for a two three with Toxic one. When it enters the battlefield, up to one target artifact you control becomes an artifact creature with base power and toughness four four for as long as Unctus's Retrofitter remains on the battlefield. I like that card. It does a lot of things. It's a lot. That's a lot of power and toughness for three mana. Yes, I agree. It does a lot. Moving on to black. In my number three slot, I've got a bit of a take here. Whisper of the Dross. Single black for an instant. Target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. Proliferate. So giving this a bit of a bump for that incidental proliferate on a nice cheap trick. My number two is Pestilent Siphoner. One on a black for a one, one with flying and toxic one. And then I have the aforementioned removal spell Anoint with Affliction as my number one. I like your take on the number three. What's the name of that card again? Whisper of the Dross. Whisper of the Dross. Yeah, I could see that being a huge player in the format if everything does get pushed low to the ground and you get a proliferate. So it stays relevant, like great early, but stays relevant in the late game because you can still proliferate. Yeah. Uh, I had the same number one and number two as you. My number three is Blight Belly Rat. One in a black virtue mm. two with toxic one. And when it dies, you proliferate. Love it. And I think we're all lined up for the uncommons. What's going on there? Number two, I've got Nimrazer Paladin. Four in a black for a four, four with toxic two. When ETBs return target creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to your hand. A five mana four, four gravedigger with toxic seems pretty bonkers to me. I agree. And then the number one slot, we've got the removal spell, Drown and Icker. One in a black for a sorcery. Target creature gets minus four, minus four, and then you proliferate. Both of those uncommons just seem like pure bangers to me. Yeah, raw power for sure. Moving on to red commons. In the number three slot, I've got Barbed Batterfist. This is one in red for an artifact equipment. Has four Mirrodins. You get a two, two, but wait... Equipped creature gets plus one, minus one. So you get a three one and it's got an equip cost of one. Yeah, this card took me, I just want to jump in here. This card took me a really long time to figure out this. I like initially graded this like, I don't know, a D or a D plus or something. I was like, whatever. Then saw a lot of talk about it in the Lords of Limited Discord. And I had to like dive in to be like, can people talk to me about what they're seeing in this card? And the word rectangles really helped me <laughs> wrap my head around it because <laughs> it's it's a 3-1 that dies into a, a thing that you get. And is that thing going to always be relevant? No, not every time you're going to want to smack this on a creature. But if you can't, you have a 2-2 flyer and you put this on it and now it's a 3-1 flyer, great. If you have you know uh, something that cares about sacrificing an artifact in a red-black deck, great. This gives you an extra thing. And it's also a non-creature creature, which is what NCAA kept saying. And so this triggers all the non-creature matter stuff while still impacting the board, which all of that adds up. I was like, oh, I think I get it now. So I I, I am high on this card as well. Yeah, I think that card is great. That's my number three. Number two is Hex Gold Slash. That's the single red deal two, deal four if a creature had infect. And number one, Volt Charge, the two in a red, deal three, and proliferate. I have Barbed Batterfist in my number two, Volt Charge in my number one, and my number three, maybe a little bit of a hot take, is Sawblade Scamp. Single red for a 1-1 one, one with haste. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you put an oil counter on Sawblade Scamp, and you can tap to remove an oil counter from the scamp to have it deal one damage to each opponent. I like that hot take. I am terrified about dying early, which is why I have Hex Gold Slash in there. And mm-hmm. I do think Barb Batterfist is going to be higher than that, but I, I do like that as a take for sure. 
Cool. All right, moving on to red uncommons. In the number two slot, I've got Hex Gold Halberd. That's the one in a red equipment that uh, gives your equipped creature first strike and trample. It's got four mirrored in, and the equip cost is two and a red. In the number one slot, I've got Rebel Salvo. This is two and a red for the instant, has affinity for equipment, and it deals five damage to target creature or planeswalker. That permanent loses indestructible until end of turn. Yeah, Rebel Salvo is my number two, and I have Magmatic Sprinter as my number one. Maybe that's a bit of a take. That's the 3-2 the haste, uh, puts oil counters on things, and you have to return it to your hand unless you remove oil counters from it at the end of your turn. All right, top green commons. In the number three slot, I've got Ruthless Predation. One on a green for a sorcery. Target creature you control gets plus one, plus two until end of turn. It fights target creature you don't control. I think that's going to be like, usually we're like, oh, how good is the fight spell going to be? I think it's going to be very good <laughs> in this format yeah. with yeah. like remove a blocker, enable a toxic attack, etc. Agreed. In the number two slot, I've got Branch Blight Stalker. One on a green for three one with toxic two. I think that card's just going to be really scary when your opponent yeah. plays it on turn two. Mm-hmm. You're going to be forced to trade with it, and then there's combat tricks. Uh, top green common overall. Why is this a card? Contagious Vorak. This is two and a green for a 3 3. When ETBs look at the top four of your library, you can reveal a land card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. If you didn't put a card into your hand this way, proliferate. This card is bonkers. Maybe this is the best common in the format. This card's insane. Card's really good. Yeah, that's my number one green common as well. I have the uh, fight spell Ruthless Predation as my number two. And in my number three slot, it was, I did have the single mana mana dork, uh, oil dork, I should say, in my number three until I realized that it didn't fix your mana. So I put another hot take, which is Oil Gorger Troll. Three green green for a three four. When it enters the battlefield, you gain three life. Then if you control a permanent with an oil counter on it, draw a card. That card's very good. I almost put that in, like, I almost put Ruthless Predation as number two and that as number three. Yeah, so that would be my list, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a list I was considering as well. That card is very good. Like, in an oil deck, that is, it does the thing. It does the thing. It's going to do, like, always, all the time. It's going to be trivially easy to have a card on the battlefield with oil on it. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so I like that. Top green uncommons for me. I've got Viral Spawning in the number two slot. That's two and a green for a sorcery. Create a 3-3 green Phyrexian Beast creature token with Toxic 1, and it's got Corrupted. As long as an opponent has three or more poison counters and viral spawnings in your graveyard, it has Flashback, 2, and a green. And then in the number 1 slot, I've got Evolving Adaptive. Green for a 0-0 ETBs with an oil counter on it. It gets plus 1, plus 1 for each oil counter on it, and whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, if that creature had greater power or toughness than Evolving Adaptive, it gets an oil counter. Yeah, I think nice to end uh, end these lists with us being completely different. My number two is Venomous Brutalizer. That's the four mana four four toxic three. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you can pay one in a green if you do proliferate. And my number one is Infectious Bite. One in a green instant. Target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature you don't control. Each opponent gets a poison counter. Could you imagine playing your two mana three one toxic two and then on turn three mow down their blocker and now they're corrupted? Sounds great. I'm imagining it. I like what I, I like what I'm hearing. So good. Yeah. The, the snowbally starts that this format has in store for us are gonna f- they're not gonna feel great sometimes, I'm gonna say. They're gonna feel I'm great. Play, I'm planning you're to doing be, them. I'm planning to be the snowballer rather than the snowbally. Yeah, I think so. Uh okay. We're gonna get going here. Any final parting thoughts? Like I said, we'll be doing our uh our early access stream, so we'll get our hands on the cards online this week get our hands on the cards and paper this weekend, and then 
get our get our hands on them with everybody else next week. Any any thoughts before you get into your first draft? Yeah, I think I'm I'm just planning to be streamlined, efficient board presence people until proven otherwise. This format looks very fast to me or very like that efficiency is going to be key. And yeah, I think that that and synergy, there's synergy all over the place. So you want to be doing a thing and doing it well. Yeah. And the overlapping synergies, I think, are going to be really interesting. Like how much bleed, like can a deck with some oil and some toxic be glued together with enough proliferate, et cetera? Like that sort of stuff is very interesting to me. I'm probably not going to try and figure that out in week one. But uh, but I think this is going to I'm, you know, I'm excited about the puzzle in store for us here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have high hopes for Phyrexia all we want. So on that note, great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thanks so much to TCG Player for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over there for any and all purchases or signing up for a TCG Player subscription, please navigate yourself there via our affiliate link at lordsoflimited.com slash TCG Player. You can check us out streaming at least. During the early access event, I'm at twitch.tv slash lord. Tupperware Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. David, Adam, Die, and Sebastian. It's probably D, right? <laughs> here's here's the trick, Ben. You just have to say it confident. You have to pick one and say it confidently. That's <laughs> what I do. That's that's <laughs> the behind the scenes. But you're trained in talking. <laughs> I, I am but a lowly Midwesterner uh, that says that says slew as sloth. <laughs> <laughs> And Sebastian, thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Wait, can I give D another go? <laughs> which one do you which do you want to do? I'm gonna go with D. Okay. D. No, that and was way too aggressive. <laughs> Hang on.